Hi there, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 133. And today I have something very special for you. My teenage daughter Sophie is joining me and co-hosting this episode. Hi Sophie. Hello. Yes, this afternoon Sophie said, would you like to record a podcast with me, mum? And of course I do. I've been talking about that for a while. And today... Mum's been wanting to do this for literally months. And today it has all come together, hasn't it? Yes. We've just been up to the village, had a cup of coffee together and talked about what we are going to talk about. And so what's that, Sophie? What have we done? Oh, we've got a list of interesting questions about what we've been up to. And we thought we'd share a little bit about what we've been thinking and doing. And, yeah. Things that we've found difficult. Uh, things we've been reading and listening to. Yeah, share a little bit about what we're thinking about and exploring at the moment. Yeah, some odds and ends. And we hope that this will lead to an interesting conversation full of ideas and maybe a few resources. Yes. Okay, so we'll start off, shall we, with the first question on our list. It is... Something, well, it's not a question, is it? It's something I have been thinking about. So, good first one. So, what have you been thinking about? Um, what have I been thinking about? I was thinking about rules. <laughs> yes, I had to think about what I was thinking about, if you see what I mean. I have so many thoughts in my head. They come and go. Mum had a hard time deciding which thought she actually wanted to tell you about. I've started actually getting my phone and making a note about my thoughts before they disappear completely. Because <laughs> sometimes I can do things with my thoughts. I can explore them more, make a blog post, that type of thing. Yes, and so while we were sitting in the cafe having coffee and you said to me, I should think about something that I've been thinking about and I couldn't decide. I went back to my phone, didn't I? Yes. And scrolled through my notes and I came up with the one about rules. Yeah? Yes. And I can't find that note now, but you can remind me if I go wrong. I was thinking about how rules can be dangerous. It can be dangerous to make rules. Oh, definitely. Why is that? Why are rules dangerous? Well, we might make rules thinking that we're going to keep our kids safe oh, by making those rules. Yes. yes. But... Do we, in making those rules, remove the opportunity for our kids to learn responsibility, right, judgment, all that kind of and thing? And how to make their own decisions. Yes, because making a rule, sometimes the rule doesn't apply. Or like in a situation, for example, you might say, I want you home by 11 o'clock. That's the time you have to come home, right? Yeah. But that might not be the appropriate hour. Oh, no. So it's better for a child to be able to make up their own mind about what is an appropriate time. Do you agree? Oh, definitely. I think uh, sometimes when parents make those rules is so they can get to bed themselves and not have to worry about their kids coming in. And once they know their kids are home, safe and sound, they can go to sleep. But kids, if they don't have rules, should learn consideration. Yeah, how to respect... Their, how their parents will be feeling and know know that their parents will be worrying and to get back in a time which both fits what they're doing and whatever situation they're in, but also is considerate of the people around them and how it will affect other people like their parents or the friends they might be out with that night. Or whatever they're doing, yeah. And also 
uh, they might not want to stay up that late. No, and saying that a child has to be in by 11 kind of puts the expectation that the child will be out till 11. And it kind of makes someone feel, you know, guilty for coming home early and skipping out. Yes. Sometimes you need to come home early, but you don't want to because, you know, it's expected. Be home at 11. Maybe the thing is communication and consideration that parents would be quite happy for kids to make up their own minds about what is an appropriate time to come home if they're kept in the picture if a child it's very easy for a child to pick up a phone and say hey i'm such and such a place and i'm going to be here until this hour yeah or i'm on my way home now yeah give regular updates on what you're doing if your plan changes and you have to be out longer than you anticipated just you know tell your parents you know, send a quick text message and a parent should be willing to accept that a child can, you know, communicate what they're doing and make up their own minds about what they're doing. So they're going to be learning responsibility, judging the situation for themselves. And I guess it's good to be trusted, isn't it? Oh, definitely. And <laughs> we all know how I feel about that topic. And if the kids are given those opportunities while they're at home, they will learn how to deal with different situations. Definitely. Okay, that's what I've been thinking about. What have you been thinking about? I've been thinking about something I've struggled a little bit with at the moment, which is balancing trying to be productive and fit a lot into my day around my full-time job I work and balancing rest and looking after myself. Because everybody might remember, I was talking about this a couple of podcasts ago, maybe three podcasts ago, about how you change jobs and are now working um, Tuesday to Saturday at a cafe, in the kitchen and out the front as waitstaff. Yes, seven to eight hours per day. And every day of the week, it's... A big change. I was working four days before, I think. Yeah, you were. And having that extra day off makes a big difference. Plus, I'm, my days are, I finish my shifts later, so I seem to have less hours in my day than I did before. I, I, I was thinking that maybe you, even though you've got let, you st- finish work later, you're going to the gym before work, so you're actually getting home earlier. Yeah, I But am. your day is longer. Yeah, my day is longer, which is a big difference at the moment. So what would you like to fit into your week apart from your job? I would like to be able to keep, you know, working on some of my hobbies. Of course, going to the gym is, like, one of my top priorities. I try to go at least, you know, four times a week. If not, I have to do something at home. Fitness is a big focus of mine. I'd like to be able to do more photography. It kind of is on the back burner at the moment, which is very strange. I, up until recently, I was doing so much photography, but I don't have a lot of time for that. So I'd like to be able to fit more of that back into my life. I would like to be able to blog more. <laughs> I'm trying to get back into blogging, but it's very hard to fit in. So what are you doing to get balance? Um. At the moment, I'm trying to work out how I can manage my time better to fit more in without overdoing it. So I've been trying to get up a little bit earlier to fit some things in before work because once I get home from work, I never want to do anything. I just want to, you know, watch TV shows, play games and relax. 
but if I try to you know, fit something in before I get to work and be productive beforehand, I feel so much better throughout the day because I've, you know, I've achieved something in my day besides working, of course. But work for you is achieving something as well? Oh, definitely. I love my job and I feel like I'm achieving so much while I'm there. I'm learning a lot through this job. I have a lot of responsibilities I've been given and I'm learning and achieving a lot. But the hard part for me is working out when to quit, you know? You get up earlier and you do the work and you, then you go to the gym, you go to work, you come home and you spend time with your family and then by the end of the day you're wiped out and by the end of the week you know, you've had the early hours and even if I'm sleeping, you know, trying to sleep seven to eight hours a night, I still feel exhausted by the end of the week. And so I guess it's a big difference from the days when you were at home full time and you, your hours, your days were just full of what you wanted to do. You could organize yourself. Now, some people might say that this is a bad preparation for real life because nobody can do whatever they like. Uh, once they get to adulthood, it's probably better to get uh, into the habit of being told what to do and not having so many free hours. Interesting thing, though. Because I was scheduling my days so much before I started working, I know how to schedule my days better at the moment. I'm better prepared to schedule to fit more than work into my day because I've been pr- I've been shown to my proven to myself that it's possible to do what you enjoy in your life. And instead of, you know, you do what the jobs people and the work people tell you to do, and that's it that you achieve. So my life is because of what mum has taught me by letting me coordinate my own days, I know that there's so much more to my life than just my job. And I know how to coordinate my time. At least I know better how to coordinate my time to fit in some things around my job than I would have if mum had just told me what to do and that was it. I guess when you were unschooling full-time, what I mean is that you didn't have any other responsibilities. That didn't mean that you were just drifting through your days doing nothing. Oh, no, I had a whole schedule of things I did. I had a layout of how I wanted my day to go, you know. I At one point, I had this timetable, you know, from this to this, I'll do that, and this to this, and... It doesn't sound like, you know, the typical idea of unschooling, you know, where, you know, you do what you want when you want. But But you you were doing what you wanted when you wanted. Yes. I just had schedule to my day. Because I think that there is a misconception that unschoolers just drift and don't actually achieve anything. But we only have so many hours a day, don't we? Oh, yeah. And we all want to achieve things because it feels good. We like to challenge ourselves and to get to the end of projects. And the only way to do that is to consciously think about how we're going to spend each and every day. I think it's a serious misconception that people have that people unschoolers drift and that if you plan out your days and what you want to do, and you set those kind of goals and schedules and timelines that you're not unschooling. And I I believe that that's a big misconception that unschoolers have to drift from thing to thing. But I think that because I have never scheduled your day and I've never uh, loaded you up with all my um, things I think you should do, you have had the time and the opportunity to take upon yourself your own challenges and have, have had the opportunity to work out for yourself 
what is important, what will give you satisfaction, how you want to spend your time. Which is helping a lot now that I have so much less time to do things in because I now know what I want to focus my free time on, what I actually want to achieve. So we've been talking about something we've been thinking about, but I think this leads perfectly into something I find difficult. Oh, yes. Because you've been finding it difficult to achieve the right balance sometimes. Oh, definitely. Some weeks I feel like I've got it, and then the next week I'll be exhausted. I'll go to bed early, wake up late, achieve nothing in my days. I'll be like, oh, no, I'll never find balance. And then, you know, you change a few things and it starts to get better. So it's a hard it's a hard balance to find. But I think if we're being honest that you do have an extra problem, the one I have as well, is that we find it hard to sleep. So that some nights neither of us gets a good night's sleep and then when you're trying to fit in everything you enjoy doing plus full time work, you get overloaded and overtired because you just don't have the energy because you're not sleeping. Oh, definitely. That is a problem, is getting a good night's sleep. And I don't know if you're like me, but one of the things I find difficult is I need to be creative and I'm the happiest when I've got lots of ideas buzzing through my mind. But when that happens, I can't sleep because I've got too much to think about. Exactly. I can't turn off and just go to sleep. I go to bed thinking about all the wonderful ideas I've just had, yeah? Yeah. the plans that I've been making, things I want to do, and I almost feel like getting back out of bed and getting stuck into it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but yeah, I know that I've got to get up the next day and do other things, and so I can't afford not to sleep. But in some nights are just a waste of time because I don't sleep. Yeah, it's one of those funny things. I often hear the piece of advice, you know, you have an idea at night, get a notebook, write it down and it's, and leave it. But I have the issue that if I get up, get a notebook and write it down, I can't stop. So I write it down and then I keep planning on that idea and, you know, you end up working on it and you're like, I'm supposed to be in bed. I'm supposed to be sleeping, not working. I think you're supposed to stay in bed and write the note in your notebook and then put it back down next to your bed, turn the light off again and go back to sleep. It just I don't think happens. you're supposed to get up. I don't plan on you sitting in bed, writing in this notebook and you're working something out. But once I've started, I've written down the idea. I just can't stop. Well, I've got something else to say about things I'm finding difficult, but is there anything on your list that we didn't talk about, about being things that are difficult? Accepting injuries and trying to work around them. Big thing that I have, I'm quite prone for injuries. Mum can attest to this. I'm always hurting myself. Exercise isn't very good for you, hey? (laughs) (laughs) It's good for you in some ways, but I've got dodgy ankles, dodgy knees, and so I'm very often hurting myself. And recently, two weeks ago, I hurt my ankle again. This is probably the sixth or so time I've hurt my ankle. So my ankles are quite weak. And I, up until this point, I felt like I was doing so well with fitness. Like I was running, I was doing this half marathon training program. Not that I'm going to enter a half marathon. It was just for the fun of it. But I was doing all my runs and I was enjoying running. And then I hurt my ankle and I had to stop. And it's very hard to accept that you have to stop and take care of yourself and that you can't keep pushing through it. 
Well, one thing I admire about you is that even though you are prone to injury, it doesn't seem to stop you trying things. Your enthusiasm is quite high, isn't it? (laughs) You do want to push through these things. Oh, yes. Sometimes I'm like, can I get away with pushing through on this injury? And then I'll go, no, I can't. If I push through, I'm just going to be worse. Well, talking about exercise, the thing I find difficult is related to exercise as well. And that has been getting up in the cold and running before breakfast outside, you know. That is, I have found that extremely difficult this winter, going out sometimes in below freezing conditions. We've had days of like minus five degrees at quarter to seven in the morning, seven o'clock it's been cold, especially when it's been windy. And I have had, I have to say that some mornings I have just not wanted to go out there, but I've done it. And do you know why? Because of Jebs? Because of Gemma Rose. Yes. I think that if I had given in, uh, not only would I have lost out physically, I wouldn't have done my exercise for the day or I could obviously do my exercise later on in the day, but I think I'd miss out on something very precious that I've been sharing with Gemma Rose over the winter. And also uh, adversity does make you strong, doesn't it? <laughs> I've been trying to think of myself as somebody who is You're tough enough. Mentally to- and physically <laughs> tough. That's right. Can push through anything. I mean, I, I know I'm a, I'm a runner. That's part of my identity. I'm a runner, but I'm a runner who runs when the conditions are bad. And I haven't quite got there yet. But I have to admit that I'm glad that today the sun is shining and it feels like spring. Oh, it's beautiful. Winter is finally over. Spring is starting to show itself. And it's going to be so nice when it warms up in the mornings. Well, it was nine degrees this morning, Ooh. and would you believe a couple of weeks ago it was in the minus temperatures? And yes, it made such a difference this morning. I only had to run a short loop before I could take my hoodie off and the short sleeves, and I ran the rest of it, and it felt good. And I walked home in bed with my short sleeves. Oh, it's lovely having the spring weather. It was—it's been raining the past few days, and so everything feels so bright and fresh today. I did my workout today. I didn't go out with mum and Gemma Rose because my ankle's still dodgy and I wanted to sleep in. It's my day off from work, so I wanted to get a little bit of extra sleep. So I did my workout later in the day, but it was so nice and warm today that I just couldn't resist leaving the house and going for a short walk down the bush tracks to cool down and just enjoy the nice weather that we're having. Yes, it makes a lot of difference how we feel, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. It's so much easier to feel happy and positive and motivated when it's warm and the sun is shining. You know what's going to happen, though? It's going to get warmer and warmer and warmer. And and then then we're we're not going to want to move. (laughs) And then we're going to start complaining it's too hot and we're going to start worrying about the possibility of bushfires and we're going to wish it was cold and it was winter again. But then it'll be easier to get up in the morning because it's nice and fresh and it's the best part of the day in summer. It certainly is. So let's move on to the next thing, Sophie. Something that we have enjoyed recently. What have you got on your list? Mine is coffee dates with my family. So the past few weeks, since I've started working this job, every weekend I go out 
I say weekend. It's mon. It's Sunday, Monday. <laughs> that's my weekend. I think that's pretty typical for the hospitality industry. Yes. So uh, every weekend I go out with my my sister Imogen, who works with me. So she has the same days off. We work at the same cafe, and either me and Amy, or we sometimes invite Mum, or it'll be me and Mum. We go out and we have a coffee day and spend some time together talking and you know going over what we've been thinking about in our weeks and it's just nice to once a week have a proper catch-up with some members of my family it's honestly my favorite part of the week at the moment well I enjoy it too (laughs) (laughs) but the thing I've got on my list Sophie something that I've enjoyed recently is writing short stories each day now my friend Jack she suggested that we share a story from our day each evening, we write to each other and yeah, we just tell a story, something that happened to us during the day. And what I have discovered from doing this for a couple of weeks is that I'm paying more attention to what's happening in my day. I'm looking around, I'm thinking, will I write about this? Will I write about that? I'm noticing things. And when it comes time to write the story, I realize that I've captured a special moment in my day forever. I've captured a memory. It's making you more aware of what's going on in your life and the beauty that is in in your life. Well, most of the stories are beautiful, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's that sort of like journaling. But instead of saying, we did this, we did that, we did this, we did that, and go through You're the whole day. You're focusing on something. Yeah, just capturing one moment in the day. Going a little bit deeper and more appreciating it, maybe. And I think within that one story, you might actually capture other memories that are associated with what you've been talking about. For example, yeah, Sunday. Was it Sunday or Saturday? No, Saturday. I didn't get much sleep Friday night because my brain was buzzing away. (laughs) And I got up on Saturday morning and I was tired. And I did nothing on Saturday. Everybody else raced around doing their things around me. And I basically sat on the sofa and didn't do a whole lot. You needed the rest. I did. But when it came to the evening and I thought, what am I going to write to Jack? I thought, well, nothing's happened. She's not going to want to hear how tired I was. So I said to Jack, nothing happened today. So I'm going to describe the room I'm sitting in. And then I described it, but it was amazing how creative that turned out to be and how I talked about the curtains on the windows that are too long. Well, one window doesn't even have curtains. the curtains fell down. The curtains fell down. It's been a couple of weeks and we haven't bothered to put them back up yet. (laughs) And the other curtains are too long because I did buy some double-sided tape to shorten them, some iron-on tape, which makes it a whole lot easier than sewing. But I lost the tape. And we haven't bothered to find it. <laughs> and I suspect that we'll just keep on living with one window with a too long curtain and one bare window because that's the way we are, isn't it? it? Is. We always start out with great intentions and then we always get so distracted and just leave it. So I captured more than just what was in the room. I captured the whole... Our personality. <laughs> that's right. And the fact is that Gemma Rose has been painting our a family room because I called it the blue room. It used to be known as the family room, but now it's called the blue room. It's the nicest room in the house at the moment. It looks so chic. 
So, yes, I've been enjoying writing short stories, and I think that if anybody else is stuck writing a diary, it becomes a little bit too overwhelming to record everything that happens every day. How about just writing about one thing that happened in the day? And the other thing that I've come from that is I'm back to writing. You know, it's <laughs> I'm enjoying writing, yes. and the words are starting to flow, and I'm actually getting some sort of style as I'm writing. Yes. And I haven't done a lot of writing for myself for a long time. Of course, I've written blog posts. But the blog po writing so many blog posts and trying to keep up that schedule, I feel like it's kind of stopped you from experimenting on your own. You have no time for your own writing anymore. That's right. And this is giving me an opportunity to do that. So what I'm going to do is... I'm going to actually copy and paste all those little stories in the emails I've been sending to Jack and put them in my journal so that I keep them. Sounds like an excellent plan. Yes. So what did I call them in my bits and pieces story? Because I shared that in one of my blog posts. I called them my the exceptional, no, the extraordinary ordinary moments of my day or my life. <laughs> you know? Yes. They're ordinary moments, but... Put them all together, all these little stories, all these little moments of our day, and they make up an extraordinary unschooling life, don't they? They do. I feel like taking the time to acknowledge those little moments and appreciate them makes you so much happier and grateful for the wonderful life you're actually having. And it makes you actually, it makes you aware that just how good your life actually is when you're paying attention to the things which are going on and which make it interesting. Yeah, I think that's very true. And you were telling me earlier that when you're having a difficult time, you think about all the good things, don't you? Yes. To, to tell us a little bit about that, Sophie. Well, I have a great life. I know I have a great life and I'm very lucky. But sometimes, especially on a long day where I'm tired and things aren't going to plan, you know, you start having negative thoughts and you start going, oh, I I hate what I'm doing. I wish I could be doing something else. And when I find those thoughts, I'm like, no, stop. And I'm like, I tell myself, you have to stop. And I'm like, you have a great life, an amazing job. And I just start listing things that make, that I'm happy about and which I'm grateful for and which is amazing in my life. And I'm trying to, it's sort of forcing me to be happy and have positive thoughts and be a better person. I don't think it forces you to be happy. It makes you realize. It reminds you, you, reminds you yeah. to be happy and to think positively and to remember that, sure, things aren't exactly the best they could be in that moment, but things could be a lot worse and that I have a lot to be grateful for. I think it's we tend to focus on the negative things more easily than we do the positive. Oh, definitely. One negative thing can ruin your day, but those positive things are so quickly forgotten. Which makes me um, realize or reminds me of something about being happy, about how that we can intentionally put things into our day that bring us joy. Oh, definitely. We sort of plan lots of things. If we want to get this work done and that work done, get the washing on the line, do you this, do that. You sometimes sort of forget that you also have to enjoy your life. Well, it's great to be productive. It's no point having a productive life where you've achieved so much. But you hated every moment of it. You never stopped to slow down and realize how beautiful it was and how, and let yourself be happy and soak in the joy of life. That's right. I think a lot of the productive things we do do bring us joy, but sometimes you've 
don't appreciate that joy or properly acknowledge it when you're so focused on achieving this and achieving that and being productive and getting things done, you don't stop to actually enjoy those things which you originally started for pure love of what it was. Also, sometimes we feel lazy if what we choose to do isn't productive. You see what I mean? Yes. It's just it's watching just a movie a- or just having a sleep or just soaking in the bathtub with a cup of tea. That's Favorite right. way to unwind. <laughs> yeah, all those things are important and we should plan to sprinkle a few of those into each day and do it in a deliberate manner, not just, oh, I've got a, a spare 10 minutes, what shall I do? But plan I'm going to plan it into your life. Because otherwise you get very overwhelmed and tired and run down. But just, I find just fitting in, you know, a quiet evening and planning to look after myself in the evening makes me feel so much better during the rest of the day because it gives me energy and it gives, it fills me up with happiness and joy. And that sort of spills over into the rest of my life. It recharges me. And then you're a pleasanter person to be with. Oh, so. definitely. It's something I'm working on a lot at the moment is becoming a happier, more positive person. There's a certain woman I know from work and everyone says she's a, you know, she's the best person to be around. You know, everyone's like, she's a special person. She's a lovely person. And I wish I could be that kind of person that everyone looks at and goes, that person is special. She cares about people. She's always so kind and thoughtful. She's always happy. She never complains. That's the kind of person I want to be. The kind of person which people remember for just how much, you know, how happy and positive. How they make you feel. Yeah, how they make you feel and what a good impact they leave on everyone else. They sort of, that lady, she sort of leaves a chain reaction. Everyone she touches leaves smiling and laughing which reminds me of how sometimes they talk about going out there and making a difference do amazing things but sometimes doing amazing things isn't uh singing in a concert beautifully or drawing a great picture publishing that book becoming world famous all those things are good but sometimes doing amazing things is making other people happy the little things in life you know improving someone's day you know, making someone smile, lifting someone's spirits when they're having a hard time. Yes, and I think that in some ways those are the most important things. Oh, definitely. And everybody can do that. I feel, especially because I work so much at the moment, I'm talking a lot about work, but I feel like because I work, especially as I work in hospitality, I have so many opportunities where I could make a difference in someone's day and improve their day. And I find that it's something a lot of people don't acknowledge what they could do and they don't take advantage of it like they could. Well, that's really good thoughts there, Sophie. But we think we better move on to the next thing, as we'll be here to dinner time. <laughs> I just keep rambling on and on. No, no, your thoughts are very interesting. But I'm pushing us on a little bit because I know that if left to ourselves, you and I could sit here talk for two hours. and. We've already had a long conversation in the cafe. This is a whole afternoon we've spent chatting about these topics. Well, there's endless things when we get together. Uh, it's what's nice to have good conversations without anything being forced. It just sort of flows out of us. We enjoy talking to each other, oh, don't we? Oh, definitely. Mulling over ideas and sharing stories. So the next thing on my list, Sophie, is something that we have read or listened to recently. So you go first. 
Well, I have to admit, I've been really bad recently. I haven't actually been reading that much. That's a big thing about the balance, is I haven't, I've sort of let reading books and things slide a lot at the moment. So I was, I was acknowledging this this morning. I was like, hang on. I have so, I love reading so much. And I went through, and I haven't finished a book in several weeks, which is terrible. So I'm actually at the moment setting myself up so that it will be easier for me to fit reading into my day. And I'm trying to make it a priority for me at the moment. So how are you doing that? Well, for one, I've charged my Kindle, which has been sitting dusty in the corner for months. So I'll be carrying that around with me. I've made a massive list of books I want to read. And I can just, you know, grab an odd moments and read as I'm going. And I have a few spare minutes. What I've been doing is I got my Kindle out as well. And I charged mine up because mine was dead. It was sitting <laughs> in the corner, dusty for a long time. I've been using my iPad. But... The iPad, the lot, the light on it, it doesn't, it's not good for sleep. You know, you read your iP- on your iPad. It keeps and you awake. And then you can't relax and go to sleep. So I got the Kindle out so I could read it in bed. And then I discovered all these Kindle books that I bought or I downloaded for free and never actually got around to reading. You know that? Yeah. So that's what I've been doing too. But also, you know, when you have a few odd moments and you are tempted just to fly around the internet or you know, scroll through Instagram, check Facebook, check your emails, look at the weather. Well, my thumbs, you know, I was telling you about this. I don't, I'm not on social media anymore. So I, I go from the weather to my emails, to your podcast, podcast to see what, and how do you think if it changes? The temperature goes up a degree and you it's know, it's funny how it happens that we get so much into it. We don't even think about how much we're checking these things. It's just second nature. Your hands automatically fly to check those things. You don't need to check the weather you know, every hour. <laughs> oh, it's I not to change that probably, much. I could probably just walk outside the front door and experience it. But when you, I find that, especially when you're not thinking about what you're doing, you just check these things. And then I get horrified when I find myself where I am. I thought, how did I get on the weather again? This and is you, terrible. I've spent, I've wasted an hour looking at the same three apps and still nothing has changed. What are you doing I as well? I haven't received another email. No podcasts have come in. The weather's changed one degree, but I've wasted an hour checking them all. So back to my point is that I thought instead of doing that, I could sit there with my Kindle and read a few pages <laughs> in those odd moments when that I have nothing else to do. Though I've also heard that it's pretty good just to do nothing, to sit and think and be with yourself instead of always having to do something. Oh, definitely. Stop and think and just be quiet for a few minutes. How often in your day do you actually just let yourself think? I can guarantee in my own life, it's never. It's when I go to bed. you do. You think uh, while you're doing things. It's while I'm doing things, but I never make a conscious effort to make time to think. You think while you do things. But you never make time for thinking. That's probably why I think in bed. And I should have <laughs> had my thinking time earlier. Maybe I'd be able to go to sleep. <laughs> but but then, I don't think most people appreciate how much thought is important. That's true. Because if you look like you're doing nothing, uh, people say, well, haven't you got anything to do? What I are know. you doing? Go and do something useful I with was, your time. Just this afternoon, I was sitting in my room and I had a podcast playing. And I was just sitting there. And it felt so strange. I was like, 
my hands, there was nothing to do with them. And I was like, what should I do? And I'm, I'm like, I can't just sit here. I'm wasting time if I'm listening to a podcast and not doing something. Well, I think we ought to change our attitude about that because I do think we need quiet times. I think it's just habit that you always have to be doing something. And we get so used to always multitasking that well, it's, it's hard to slow down and you know, just focus on one thing. I think maybe school has something to do with that as well. And even homeschooling, parents worry about doing enough. Their kids are doing enough. You always ha- have to achieve more and more. You have to achieve as much as possible so your records look as good as possible so that your AP is blown away. And so parents feel that they have done enough with you in the day. So they're always kind of, you know, pushing you to do more and more. And the more you do, the better you're doing, it appears. And the better a person you are, the more you do. That reminds me of a conversation we had in an early, earlier podcast about um, having the freedom to choose, an interview I did with you and Imogen. And I wrote it up as a blog post not so long ago. I can't remember what it's called now. Probably having the freedom to choose a conversation or unschoolers talk about having the freedom to choose. I might put a link in the show notes. And then I might tell you what I've been reading about. You've been reading some more interesting things than I have not been reading. (laughs) I've been reading um, The Blue Castle by L.M. Montgomery. Oh, that's Imogen's favourite book. She keeps telling me I have to read it. You haven't read it? No, it's been sitting on my Kindle waiting for me to read for ages. I've opened it several times and I'll get to the chapter title. And then I'll have to go do something and I close it. And then a few months later, I open it again and then I close it and I don't get into it. Well, you should read it because it is very entertaining. It's humorous. It's an easy read. We can keep turning the pages. It's not a difficult read like, say, Dickens or anything. I mean, I like Dickens, but, <laughs> but it's not as dense as that. He's it's- a special author. You have to... It's not light reading Dickens. No, but and there's a lot more pages. I read this, I think, in three days you know just reading it in the afternoon and the evening but it is humorous it's a good story uh the blue castle but i'm not going to talk about that anymore because i already spoke about that in one of my recent blog posts my one of my bits and pieces ones the other thing i want to talk about that i have read is a book called louder than words by was it louder than words by todd henry a book about creativity and It's been a fascinating read. I haven't finished it yet, but I like reading about creativity and how we can get the most out of ourselves, how we can express ourselves and do a good job, use our talents. This is a topic I love. It's what all my podcasts I listen to. Mum's recently got me into listening to podcasts. I didn't used to, and then she got me hooked on it. I can't stop. But all my podcasts are about how to make better use of your time, how to be a better person, a happier person, how to be a gen- become a genius. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to give me the, the, the lists of the podcasts you're listening to <laughs> that sound a little bit different from the ones I've been listening to. But yes, they're, they're all ones that um, help us develop and grow as people, develop our talents, make a difference in the world, that type of thing. Yes. And so I've been reading this book, Louder Than Words, and about... 60% through the book, I think. But one thing that did strike me, or well, a lot of things struck me about it, but one thing I'm going to mention today, because I can't talk about the whole book, is that there are four stages to creativity. And the first one is discovering. You know, you go, you think, oh, I want to play the guitar, or I feel like learning how to draw. And you go and dabble 
in it, you know, discover, you discover something, right? Yes. And some people give up after a little while. They just, they're it's in It's too hard. It's not for them. Or they don't it, put enough effort into yeah. it. That's the discovery phase. And then you go on, if you go further, you think, well, how am I going to improve my skills? And so this is the emulation phase. You might then start copying somebody in that field. And this reminded me of how kids learn to write. You know, you, you discover books that you enjoy. And then the next stage is emulating your favorite authors by writing in a style just like theirs. Yeah? Or yes. at least trying to. You think, I want to write a book just like that. And so you, you've done this, you? think you? you're doing great. And you think you're the ex- you're just as good an author. And then you read it back a few years later and you're like, oh, I was such a terrible copycat. <laughs> I remember when you uh, copied one of my books and I was so honoured by it all. <laughs> oh, I was I was a terrible copycat. <laughs> but I think that's one of the greatest compliments is when somebody wants to write like you or copy you in any way. Oh, definitely. Wants to have the same skills that you have. And once you've emulated somebody, that's not satisfying enough, and you move on to the next stage is where you develop your own voice. You are, you've got your own style. I think those two stages are the hardest ones and the ones people often fail at because they're so hard, especially the first one, you know, you're always comparing yourself to someone else and it can get discouraging. And the second one, it takes so much more work than people think to discover your own voice. And so often people fall right before the biggest success that they could get in something. Yes. Third. Do you know what the third one is? The third stage. Kind of have a guess. You've, um, oh no, the fourth. We're up to the fourth. Fourth. You've, um, discovered, you've emulated, you've gone your own way. I think that's called divergence. And you've developed your own voice and own way of doing things. You become a master? Well, you do. On that stage, but what's the next one? What do you think happens after you've developed your own voice and you've been doing things your own way for a while? You shared that skill? Well, you've been doing that all along. Shall I tell you? You might have to. Well, you get fed up. <laughs> because haven't you felt this way? That you get good at something and you're creat- that's not enough for your creativity. You've stopped learning. You've got your skills. You've got your own way of doing something. It you've- gets boring after that. That's right. You've written the same blog post you know, a hundred times or in the same sort of style or you, you've made so many videos the same way or whatever you've been doing. You've, you've been drawing portraits and you feel you've conquered that. And or a good one is musicians. They write in a, they write their songs and they record in a certain way. And, and then they make a million songs, which are all, you know, fairly much the same song. And they're bored and you yes. want to go and learn something new. But the point is now the next phase is crisis point because no longer are you feeling satisfied, but if you change, will your audience like it? Because they get used to what you're doing. And if you suddenly change, you have to take a risk that people will follow you. And like musicians will go and do a new style. And then all their fans say, hey, but I don't like that. And the old one was better. I missed the old person. Yes. Or the authors try a new genre. And they say, no, go back to writing about you hear so much people say, I like the old version of you. And you're like, there's not an old version and a new version. It's just that they're progressing and learning more and you know they're going through the stages again. You always have to push yourself and try new things and always be learning more. That's right. And some people will appreciate that and some people will follow you 
if you ha take the risk and keep on developing and change the way you're doing things and go in different directions, other people you'll drop by the wayside. But it doesn't really matter. You have to keep going if you're going to be happy, if you're going to keep on learning. And I suppose that the people that come with you, they're the important for you. But you can't please everybody anyway. Oh, definitely. I think to be a true master at something, you always have to be progressing and pushing forwards and trying to learn more about your area. And I honestly reckon the most damaging thing someone can do to another person is to discourage them from trying something new and experimenting and going, oh no, I liked how you did it before. Go back to what you used to be doing. We don't want anything new. Go back to what you used to be doing. I think there's nothing more damaging to a person than t telling them that they they don't want you to ch change and do anything else. Yes, because just imagine what they could discover, the, what they could, um, where they could be going. If a little bit of encouragement, people might not like it at the beginning, but you never know where that person might end up. But always telling someone, "Oh, I liked the old version," it it makes you stop trying new things, and and then you never learn and you never improve, and you're unhappy. But you, you're too scared to do anything about it. So you end up living a miserable life doing the same thing over and over again just because you're scared of what some people said to you. Yes. Well, I think I get to the crisis point of my creativity a lot. This is really <laughs> rang home to me. It goes in a cycle. <laughs> it does because I'm the sort of person that periodically announces that I can't tell the unschooling story anymore because I'm fed up. I've said it so many times. I'm going to quit my blog. I'm going to quit my podcast. Exactly. But I usually find a new way to tell the unschooling story. And because I go and look for a new angle, a new skill that I can develop, and I get excited again because I'm doing something new and I'm taking what I'm saying in another direction. And that is satisfying because the subject matter itself, even though I know it inside out, I can't keep on presenting it in the same way. What Otherwise makes it? It's just reiterating the exact same things you said over and over. And some people have told me that's quite all right. They don't mind that. They, they like it. But for me personally, that's not fulfilling. No, I have to keep learning myself while I'm sharing, and very quickly. One of the things I've been doing recently is making a few more videos for my YouTube channel using Adobe Spark Video. And it's not very difficult, and it's I conquered it pretty quickly. But it is giving me a new sense of achievement to make some short one- to two-minute videos on unschooling topics. And I'm getting faster at it, but at the moment, that's an, a, a little new challenge. Yeah. So... Anyway, that's something I've been reading or listening to. Well, I didn't listen to it. I read it. But Todd Henry does have a podcast called The Accidental Creative. And he talks about similar things in his podcast to the things he writes about in his books. I think he's written or at least four books. So that's Todd Henry. So we've got one more question, Sophie. Then we can wrap up. Something that we have watched recently. Go on. You go first. <laughs> Mine Mum has been watching with me, and it's something me, Mum, and Emmy have been watching every evening for the past couple of months, I think. And that is 
Marvel's Agents of Shield TV show. <laughs> I didn't mean to watch Agents of Shield. It just it was started as something me and Amy were watching. We would we just were wanting to watch something together in the evenings, and we had the Agents of Shield TV show there. So we started to watch it, and we got through the first season and a half before one day we were watching this episode, and Mum looks up, and she sees what's going on, and she goes. Oh, that's horrifying. How can you watch this? And then the next thing we know, mom's watching with us and she can't take her eyes off the screen. And the next day she goes, are we going to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? And we're like, hang on a second, mom's watching now? And mom got so invested in this show. She got gutted if we can't watch it one night and she was hanging out for each episode. No, I have to admit I've been enjoying watching it with you, though I do find it frustrating at times because it goes down to different pathways that you know you can predict what's going to happen uh, in a certain way. You know, someone's going to get into trouble, and it, uh, but there are a lot of twists, aren't there? There are. And if you don't like a situation, I've found, if I don't like the storyline, it changes so quickly. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. That's it's right. Not it's fast-paced. Mum doesn't normally watch this kind of thing. This is the kind of thing us girls and dad watch together, and dad's the person who gets us into watching a lot of these things. And mum prefers you know, to stick to the safer options, <laughs> the ones which don't give her nightmares and keep her up thinking about things all night. So we were actually quite surprised when Mum got so into watching this show with us. I think half the fun of it, though, is sharing it with you and talking about it with you. And we've been trying to predict what's going to happen, haven't we? Yes. I bet that person comes back. I bet that person's <laughs> not really dead. I bet that, you know, that type yes. of thing. And um, it has been a subject of conversation for us, something that we've enjoyed doing together, hasn't it? Oh, definitely. It's been the highlight of our evenings for ages. Well, since I can't choose that program to talk about, something else that I've watched is called Midwife. And I'm sure a lot This of, is more of Mum's style of movie. <laughs> I'm sure that a lot of people already know called The Midwife. And I've been watching, watching it on Netflix, uh, an episode at a time. Though the storyline is good, but I have to admit that every single episode there's a birth and all that grunting and everything. <laughs> There's only so many childbirths you can watch. Well, I tend to tense up, you know, they, because they're, they're obviously in pain and the actresses... And you know what that's like. And the actresses are pretty realistic and um, I find myself tensing up with them and I think, oh, I've had enough of this. <laughs> but I was wondering how they film it because the newborn babies look like they've just been born. They're real babies. They don't look like they're two weeks old or anything. They look like newborn babies. So they're I did some, probably not real babies. They are. I did some Googling, um, filming called The Midwife and discovered that the program has a number of parents who have volunteered to, uh, donate, <laughs> donate their babies. <laughs> they're, ba they're willing for their babies to be filmed. And volunteer. Volunteer. That's the right word. <laughs> and they have a list of parents. I suppose that are due uh, to have their babies. And they schedule around the due date. That's right. Generally, you know, they have a number of parents who are on call to volunteer their babies and they, they make, um, um, what's that word? Umbilical. <laughs> the umbilical? Yeah, that's right. Get my, my teeth, my tongue around that word. Uh, they make the cord out of some kind of silicon so that when they cut it with the scissors, it looks real. 
but it's not. So they just pass the baby under the mother's legs and then they get their false cord and they uh, cut it with the scissors. And it looks really real, but they coat the baby in what looks like blood and everything. I wonder how the baby deals with all that, but it's very, very realistic. And it's a bit of history too, because it is set in the East End of London in the 1950s, late 1950s, I think, gives you a taste of life uh, in past days, you know, when this was When poverty. you didn't really have the hospital options though. Oh, they we did have, they did have they hospitals. They don't have the same, you know, options though. Their hospitals aren't like our hospitals. And it wasn't such a safe matter. It wasn't. And, um, this area of London was very affected by poverty and a whole different taste of life. It's and something you definitely wouldn't have to worry about and you experience when you're having your own baby nowadays. That's right. But the thing is that all those families do experience the same sort of emotions that families do experience today. Oh, definitely. But they have a lot of different worries because we're not worried about whether we have any food or whether we're warm enough or whether we're clean enough, that type of thing. Yeah. But the same sort of, you still worry about your child's health and, well, I suppose in some ways we do worry about supporting our children, having enough money to give them the things that we need, but we're not on the breadline. Yeah? Yeah. That type of thing. Anyway, that's all I think we wanted to talk about today, Sophie, isn't it? We've come to the end of all those, the list of things we jotted down. And we've probably been talking far longer than we meant to. I always get off track and talk about something else. Well, I hope people have enjoyed listening to our conversation. I certainly have enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> so if even if nobody else listens, it's not a waste of time because we've had a great time. We've had a massive conversation. We have. It's given us an afternoon together. It certainly has. So I'd like to thank you for talking with me, for being on my podcast. I should um, make it our podcast, shouldn't I? <laughs> Anyway, so thank you, Sophie, for joining me. I hope that we can talk again another day when you have some free time on your day off. We'll have to do that. Have to schedule it in somehow. And if anybody has some topics that they would like to hear Sophie and I talk about, then head over to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, and please leave us a comment. We'll definitely try to cover them. We will. There will be future podcasts. It's easier to talk when we know what... Yes. People would like it to hear about. It helps to know, have questions and know what you actually are interested in hearing about. Okay. Is there anything we want to tell people about? Where's your blog, Sophie? You haven't written many posts recently, but people can find I've you. I've just redone my whole website and set it all up and I'm trying to get back into blogging. And it's at sophieolvis.com. Really simple. Like, it's really easy to find. Yes. <laughs> And you're also on YouTube. You haven't made any videos recently, have you? No, I haven't had a lot of time. It's also something that I want to get into and find time for. But I can, you can find me on YouTube. You could go and have a look at my recent videos. They're only between one and two minutes, so they won't take long to watch. Uh, that's Sue Elvis, isn't it? Yes. Anything else? My blog? YouTube. I'm not, am I anywhere else? I don't think I'm anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, sort of whittled down the internet places that I am at at the moment. Yeah. No social media anymore. <laughs> okay, then I think we ought to say goodbye. Thank people for listening to us today. And until next time, trust, love. <laughs> and until next time, 
Trust, respect and love. I forgot the middle one. <laughs> and until next time. Trust, respect and love unconditionally. <laughs> you remembered. <laughs> That's been too long. Mm-hmm.